You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi and welcome to our weekly update on Tuesday 2nd of April. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB's Customer Treasury Services. Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, is here with me to discuss the Brexit clocks changing and the bond market rally that really has taken shape in the month of March, Oli. Oli, bring us through some of the interest rate expectations if we look forward now, following the last number of weeks of developments. Yeah, we've had central bank meetings in recent weeks, and they have what we call been incredibly dovish sounding, which means they are giving strong signals to the market that interest rates are going to remain low for a very long period of time. And we've seen dramatic shifts in terms of market expectations for interest rates, for central bank interest rates. If you go back to the start of the year, the Federal Reserve in the US was telling us we're going to hike rates on three more occasions by a total of 75 basis points. Now they're saying rates can go in either direction. And actually the market has priced in two rate cuts in the US. So from going from three rate hikes to two rate cuts has ignited a very strong rally in bond markets, which means long-term interest rates are falling, bond yields are falling, bond prices are rising. In the Eurozone, um, there were expectations that the ECB might be raising interest rates by the end of the year. The ECB has moved to uh, dissuade people of that notion completely. Uh, And it's indicated that interest rates will stay on hold at negative levels right through this year and into 2020. And last week, the ECB president, Mr Draghi, was saying we might be even guiding that we'll keep rates even lower for longer. So we know the key rate, the depot rate, is minus 0.4% in the eurozone. And at this stage, markets think it will still be quite negative by the end of 2020. It'll have risen by maybe 10 or 20 basis points. And going out five or six years... The markets are saying rates now remain very, very low. Uh, they're talking about rates in the eurozone rising by less than a half percent. So they're currently minus zero point four percent. So by the end of two thousand twenty four, we're talking about rates being at a half percent or zero point six percent. That's much lower than markets would have thought of three or four months ago. Now, what's going on is the global economy has lost momentum. There's no doubt about that. Inflation has remained subdued. So the central banks are concerned that if there is a major downturn, they don't have much ammunition here to fight a downturn with because rates are already very, very low. Particularly in the Eurozone. Particularly in the Eurozone. So they're getting the retaliation in early and they're, they're moving almost preemptively. They're saying to the markets, we're not going to be moving interest rates anytime soon uh, and we're going to keep these rates very low. And that's led to a dramatic fall in long-term interest rates. And while long-term interest rates are not that important in Ireland, they are very important in places like Germany and the US. They're key influencers in terms of interest rates that households and businesses pay. So we've actually had a lowering of borrowing costs, a lowering of interest rates, long-term rates in the major economies. And that might just do the trick in terms of turning around the slowdown we've seen in activity, particularly if we get a US-China trade deal and maybe see a re-acceleration in growth later on in the year on the back of, of, of these much lower long-term interest rates. And we're already seeing their effect in the stock markets. I mean, the, the data haven't been great. Now, it's not that we're seeing a recession, but we're certainly seeing more moderate growth globally. But stock markets in the first quarter are up by 10%, virtually everywhere. S&P was just a slightly ahead of that, even I heard. It was it, like was the best performance in... Yeah, very strong opening quarter. So we have what we, we what we've seen in in economic terms is we've seen a loosening of monetary and financial market conditions, and that will help growth uh, reaccelerate. These long term interest rates are, are certainly beneficial for businesses and households. They could lead to let's say lower mortgage rates in the US, for example. Uh, and I say China is key here, uh, and we've had some indications now in, in more timely data out of China. Uh, again, the PMIs, 
that activity there may have reached the bottom. It might be starting to reaccelerate. So, but I think that the US trade talks are key here. If we can get a resolution to that, much lower interest rates and stronger stock markets, you could have the ingredients come into place that could trigger a pickup in growth in the second half of the year. So I suppose what it tells us is how difficult it is for central banks to move away from this very low interest rate environment. You know, we don't need modest increase in, in rates in the US. One rate hike, I think, was in the UK. No rate hikes in the Eurozone. And yet the central banks are acting here to lower rate expectations uh, on the back of a moderate slowdown activity. So it does highlight this lower for longer in terms of interest rate environment is here to stay. And I say those, those Eurozone rates, not just low for the next three or four months, for the next five or six years, rates are expected to remain very low in Europe. That has implications for the Western world economy, particularly in Europe, as you said, for the savers and pensioners of Germany and all the other economies as well. Just to bring it back to more pressing and urgent needs, because the, the interest rate play always is the long-term play and, and 100% you can hear the central banks, particularly Draghi, pushing towards acting early and trying to get the markets on side. We've had the clocks changing recently and the Brexit clock, new date and time, 11pm Friday the 12th of April. That's 10 days away from today, Tuesday. Emergency EU summit has been scheduled for the Wednesday April 10th, two days before that, UK Parliament seems to be voting daily now, Ollie, in terms of what options facing the UK can be agreed and what, what options the Parliament can actually surround and, and get consensus around. Well, I don't know if people have ever seen that movie called Groundhog Day, but it certainly feels like Groundhog Day. Series of votes going through the UK Parliament, uh, building up to an exit date, then it gets deferred. So, as you said, UK scheduled to leave at the end of March. We had two months, sorry, two years to prepare for that. Couldn't, couldn't finalise the agreement in the UK, so it's got pushed back by two weeks. And as I see, the, the, the UK is really facing three options here. It, it may attempt, or Theresa May may attempt on a fourth occasion to get her withdrawal agreement ratified by the UK Parliament. Uh, the other option is to leave without a deal, and there's large elements of the Tory party now are calling for that, so a sort of hard Brexit, no deal, no deal hard Brexit, let's, let's just get out. We can't reach agreement amongst ourselves. Or the third and more likely option is a longer delay to Brexit, and that the UK seeks that next week. Now, it's supposed to come back to the European governments with a, a reason for that delay. Uh, now, whether it's because it would move towards a softer Brexit, or whether it could hold a referendum, or there could be a general election. I mean, there's massive uncertainty still around Brexit. But I do think, uh, you know, we have to understand that when the, within the UK House of Parliament, there's a big majority against a no-deal hard Brexit, whatever within the, within the Tory party. But within the House of Commons, there's been a couple of votes now on a no-deal hard Brexit, and it's been rejected by a very, very big margin. So I'm not saying it's off the table, but it's hard to see it going through when the UK Parliament is so dead set against it. So that brings it back then to ratifying the deal. Uh, which looks unlikely, or looking for this delay. And that would mean, actually, that the UK will have to participate in the European elections in uh, May. So that's rather ironic. You know, nearly three years after the vote of the leave the EU, they've got to participate in European elections. That would not go down well in the Tory party. Ali, you've consistently said that to us since the start of the year. The EU would want a good reason, though, for them to be able to get the long delay if they applied for it. And we've 10 days to go and get this arrangement in place. Yes, at the same time, I can't see EU governments wanting to be held responsible for the UK crashing out without a deal. 
political, that's going to be difficult. It's a logical view. I think that the the easier option for them to hear now, remember all EU governments have to agree to this, will be for a long delay and give the UK more time to try and sort out the difficulties they're in. It may take an election, it may take a referendum. That parliament is in some logjam and, um, you know, we're still no clear in terms of what shape the exit package will take. And as I say, this is supposed to be the easy part. I mean, this is the this is the conditions on the terms of exit. We've then got to go and negotiate with the UK what the future trade relationship will look like, what a future trade deal will look like. And given how difficult the negotiations have been to, to date, I mean, those negotiations are expected to be even more complex and difficult. So Brexit uncertainty is going to, looks like it's going to last for quite some time. Mm, we won't get into the political side too much other than to say Merkel is in Dublin on Thursday uh, to talk with the Taoiseach about uh, the border. And what are the choices if there was potential hard border? I, I don't think we should really go there. Well, I'll say one thing. I mean, there seems to be consensus that we should avoid a hard border at the at the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic. But at the same time, if there was a no deal hard Brexit, we are going to have to put measures in place that the, that the language protects the integrity of the single market. So there's going to have to be checks somewhere. Now, it could be in transit. It could be at the factories or it could be at the ports. But there's no way that the uh, EU would allow the integrity of the single market to be undone by the absence of checks, uh, some forms of checks in Ireland somewhere. As I, say, I think everybody recognises it can't be at the actual border, but that's now in the event of a no-deal hard Brexit. We have to wait to see. But they are concerned, and the Irish Prime Minister has also met Mr Macron. So, you know, there's negotiations at the top level of this, at a European level at this stage. If we just touch on the Irish economy quickly, manufacturing PMIs come out Monday morning and services PMIs are out tomorrow. Broadly, the manufacturing survey looks good. Good survey for the manufacturing side. Um, you know, Activity is holding up well, despite the slowdown in the global economy. And we are seeing Brexit effects there, though. There's a lot of stockpiling going on, particularly of raw materials and semi-finished goods, uh, inputs, etc., and we're seeing the UK even more so. So UK firms, and Ireland, yeah. UK and Ireland. Firms are acting to uh, stockpile just in case there is that hard Brexit. Because as you say, it's only 10 days away. So uh, again, we're on another cliff edge here and we don't know what's going to happen. And firms are acting to protect their supply chains as a result. As we touched on uh, dovish central banks in recent weeks, uh, soundings from central banks, the data this week, we have non-foreign payrolls, uh, US March unemployment report on Friday. Little data out from the UK, from the UK this week. Uh, we'll be interested to see what the services sector says tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, let's finish on a positive. What's the best possible outcome pre-summer, Ollie? you see for the Irish economy? Well, I, I think if we saw two things, one would be signs of re-acceleration in global growth because we're very much an exporting nation. And secondly, if there was moves in the UK towards a softer Brexit, and by that I mean that the UK might stay within the customs union, that's the major difficulty for us in terms of Brexit. Uh, now, that's speculation, but that would be very welcome from an Irish government's point of view. We'll just have to see what happens in the UK in the next couple of weeks. Remember, that would be strongly opposed by large elements of the Conservative Party. So I think they're the two things I would look to. Uh, and obviously, we're into a very low interest rate environment going forward for the next couple of years, which is a positive. Ollie, as always, thank you and stay close to developments, customers and listeners and uh, listening to our weekly updates. You are most welcome to subscribe to AAB's Market Talk on iTunes or the podcast apps for iOS or Android. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC.
authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.